this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge, and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush, and I touch air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. Greetings, citizens of the world. This is an important message about the growing coronavirus pandemic. With each day that passes, Thousands more have been confirmed as being infected with the deadly coronavirus which has recently been given the name COVID-19. For those inside China, this illness has turned life into a dystopian nightmare, where people have just as much fear of their government as they do for the pathogen. Back home in the West, very few people are taking the situation seriously, because from their ivory towers, this appears to be nothing more than just another media hype to drive up clicks and sell advertising space. Sadly. This dismissive attitude is a common response to the growing pandemic among many everyday citizens in the West, but this mentality overlooks the true reality of what has been unfolding in China for the past two months. Sure, there have been outbreaks in the past that we can all remember coming and going, but so much about this current outbreak is unprecedented. Never before has a quarantine of this scale been in place, keeping hundreds of millions of people confined to their homes, and shutting down trade and manufacturing for the economic engine of the world. Some skeptics have compared this illness to the flu, yet, military police are walking the streets with hazmat suits, and fleets of trucks are spraying disinfectant chemicals into the sky, which are measures that would only be taken if something very serious and very dangerous was out there. The governments of the world, and international organizations like the World Health Organization do not want people to panic, so they are being very careful with how they present this information to the public. But even these sources have grown increasingly gloomy as the casualty number continues to rise in China. Another important thing to recognize is that the numbers that are being reported from China are not really an accurate representation of what is happening on the ground, and this is something that the CCP admits. There has been a gap in the ability to test and count cases properly, there has been a problem with false negatives, and hospitals have been so overcrowded that they have not been able to admit anyone to determine whether they have the illness or not. Furthermore, there have been countless people who passed away before they were able to get medical care or get tested, and in most cases, these people are not listed in the official count. People who passed away before the illness was identified were simply listed as pneumonia cases, and they were not named in the official count either. This could be one of the most serious illnesses that our species has faced in generations, but the illness is not the only thing that we have to worry about. A quarantine sounds like a great idea, and if done correctly, it can be very helpful at eliminating the spread of viruses. When we stay home from work or school because we are sick, this is an example of an individual quarantine. However, shutting down entire cities with millions of people, 
because a few individuals there may be sick can actually make the problem worse, and lead to many other issues. Harsh quarantine policies like the ones chosen by the Chinese government in this particular circumstance have been known to backfire. In an environment of fear, where large groups of people are subjected to punishments and constant screenings, people are more likely to hide their symptoms and less likely to take other measures to avoid germs. China has a reputation for ruling with an iron fist, but it is very possible that similar measures could be taken in other countries. In fact, the World Health Organization has praised China's response to the crisis, saying that the country has set a new standard for outbreak response, but does that standard entail military rule and cities on constant lockdown? Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the contact section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way it works for me, just get a hold of me. And if you want more shows every week, we release an extra show on Thursdays for members only on the website. So you got to be a member to the website in order to get that extra show. Go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today if that interests you. Now, what you just heard in that trailer was a little bit of an advertisement for a upcoming show that we're doing. We do live member only call-in shows every other month. And on March 7th, we are doing another live call-in show. And we're going to actually release the first half of the show live to the public. And then the second half of the show, we're going to keep it for the members only. But this is going to be a live call-in show where we're we're going to be talking about the coronavirus and we're going to be talking about pandemics, world population control, Georgia Guidestones and everything circling around the idea of something eliminating the human race or dramatically knocking down the population globally. So if you are interested in checking that out, mark your calendars and make sure you don't miss this live exclusive show where we're going to be kind of just talking out loud and thinking out loud with callers and thinking about what are the possibilities here? Where could this be going? And anybody that has information about it is free to call in. Now we have a public appearance we're going to be doing on May 2nd, 2020 at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. Me and my family are all going to show up. We have a vendor's table there. So if you're interested in coming out and meeting us, go to the OhioBigfootConference.org and purchase your tickets for the conference. If you just want to hang out in the vendor's area, though, that is free entry. So all you got to do is show up to Salt Fork State Park, walk in through the doors and say hi. So hopefully we see you there. Now this week we have Troy coming on the show and Troy has a lot of different experiences. Paranormal. Well, I should say I think they're paranormal, but Troy is actually a skeptic. So Troy really doesn't know how to define his experiences, uh, but he did have experiences and he comes on to share with us today. So without any further delay, let's bring on Troy right now.
Okay, today we have Troy coming on, and Troy has a lot of different paranormal experiences that he's experienced throughout his life. Uh, he saw a UFO, and uh, one of the other things that he's described to me sounds like a UFO, but I don't know if he would describe it like a UFO, so we'll let him kind of get into that today and stuff. But uh, Troy, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So uh, let's just kick it off from birth, man. Like day one. Let's talk about this. You had you have uh, some paranormal experiences there where your mom says there was an angel in the room the day you were born. What happened there? Um, so from what I understand, she's told this story a couple times. Um, I guess towards the end of labor, she was, it was her, my dad and the nurses and doctors. And she looks over and she sees what she describes as kind of an old woman in a chair rocking back and forth. Um, I think she was watching. She's kind of unclear about it. Um, of course she's in labor, so she kind of, she's preoccupied. So she forgets. Um, and a couple of days later, she, uh, she asked my dad, who was the old woman in the room? And uh, my dad was puzzled. And she is always kind of, she described it as like a comforting presence. Um, she wasn't too worried about it. And so she's always interpreted that as either her angel or my angel. And that's uh, kind of where my story all starts. Wow, man. That's uh, that's interesting. That's definitely interesting. Uh, and maybe that was a marker on your life as to for things to come, you know. So I know you said that you met, mentioned to your mom about this show and or the story, and she kind of came to you with even more details about other things that you didn't include in the email. So why don't you just kind of go into that right now and uh, get that going? Um, so my mom grew up in Great Falls, Montana, which is near the Maelstrom Air Force Base. Um, and so she made a point to say that, uh, uh, around the time of the encounter, I'm going to tell you about 1975 or so, um, there was a lot of cattle mutilations, UFO reports, um, her and her friend were driving down the road one night. Um, they were passing Lincoln, Montana, and there was this massive rainstorm. Um, it was darker than usual, she said. Um, and her and her friend is kind of driving there between the between three semis and everything's kind of going normal. And the next thing that they know that she says is, uh, her friend, um, who I'm not going to name cause I don't know. She said she didn't want to talk about this. Um, the passenger window just drops. Like if, um, like if it suddenly became, uh, the, the track it runs on, if it was suddenly removed, it just dropped and that scares them. And they look and, um, my mom described seeing this kind of face in the window just hovering. And she said it looked initially like um, a man in a kind of a gas mask. Um, the semis they were traveling between, none of them stopped their brakes. And this is, of course, all while they're driving. Um, so they pulled over at Clearwater to calm down. They go into the bar and the bartender gives them allegedly shots of alcohol uh, because they looked like they'd seen a ghost and fast forward in 1987 my mom sees this the cover of communion you know that classic alien face yeah and she uh calls her friend and tells her to look at this book and her friend sees it and tells her allegedly to never mention that again and this is you know kind of where that uh maelstrom air force base is and I'd never heard that story before. And that was it's creepy, for sure. 
I don't know anybody who wouldn't say it's creepy when you're driving and the window drops and you see a freaking face there. Uh, so, I mean, I don't even know what to, how to even describe something like that. Did, did they say that they noticed this thing just moving along with the car speed? Like it just, it didn't phase it or did it seem like it was maybe something more physical on the car holding on? Um, it, from what she told me, it sounds like it was, it sounds like if I was like standing beside your car and looking in the window, but so it was like standing right next to it, hovering from what I understand. It wasn't like, she didn't indicate that it was physically on the car. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. It didn't sound like it to me either and stuff, but, uh, the description just, I mean, I don't know how they didn't crash the car. I didn't, I mean, if that happened to me, I'd, I'd probably just drive off the road, you know? Yeah, my mom's pretty stubborn, so probably didn't let it face her. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, that 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 kind of stubbornness comes in handy sometimes. When, <laughs> uh, but so you you mentioned that you had um, some kind of weird thing happen with electronic horses around two a.m. that your mom would hear or something like that. What what is that all about? Um, so after we moved to Moses Lake. Um, Um, you know, we're, I'm maybe two or three years old. My sister was just born, so she's not even one probably. And we had these, um, uh, you, you, in the nineties they're like horses heads and they're on the sticks. You'd like ride around and pretend you're a cowboy or something. And you hit the ear and they make those really cliche, annoying noises. Um, so we had uh, those that we played with. I remember I loved, I must have loved these things. Um, and uh, back up a little bit before this happened. Um, this was about 1991. Uh, my mom's 32 year old cousin died in a, a car accident. Um, I wasn't wearing a seatbelt and he was thrown from his truck. Uh, interestingly, he, but he was, he died three times before he finally, you know, died. Um, so shortly after that, my mom's sister says she sees him like in a dream. There's there's this fence, and he's saying he's fine, he's not in pain, but for three dreams, he comes um, to her and gets closer to this bright light. And about that, the, the final dream, so I can get this straight, she, uh, she, sa- she says that he says in the dream he's going to go comfort others um, and the family that he's okay. Shortly after that, my mom was, uh, woken up at about three ten in the morning in our new house. Um, and it was this horse whinnies. It, it was going off and it did this a couple nights, two, uh, two nights. Um, so she gets up and she comes into me and my sister's bedrooms and we're dead asleep. We're not, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not, what's what I'm looking for. We weren't the way she describes it is we weren't pretending to sleep. We were like knocked out cold. And these the horses were where they were put away the night before and they just um gone off. And um a month later, um in my room, uh, I had this little uh what is it? You know those little car uh, that you ride when you're like a toddler and they have the little carousel on it. Yeah. Play music and whatnot. 
a month after that uh, toy horse thing happened, that little toy car went off in my room. And it was at about three in the morning again. And she walked in and I was, again, just out cold. And my mom um, has always kind of wondered if this was uh, her cousin who'd come to say goodbye. Because it was so close temporally. Hmm. What do you think about that? Again, I don't really remember these because I was like maybe two or three. Sure, right. Um, it's definitely it's definitely creepy. Um, and my mom isn't one to kind of lie about these kind of things. Well, she doesn't really lie in general, but I don't know why she'd make this story up. So I think it's I think it's weird. And like most of my experiences, you're going to hear. I just kind of think it's weird, and that's about as far as I can take it because I don't have any other information. Yeah, absolutely. I understand that. Totally. Uh, talk to me about the exploding head syndrome and sleep paralysis. Okay. So, um, I don't know if your patrons or listeners have heard of exploding head syndrome, but it's essentially you hear these really loud noises in your head. Uh, they used to think that it was caused by seizures, but last that I checked, it's no longer kind of attributed to that. Um, so it's just this thing that happens and nobody knows why. Um, it's happened to me since I was in community college and the first, and it seems to happen when I'm going to sleep. Um, the first time I heard it, it was a nice, calm, peaceful night. I'm kind of dozing. And the next thing I know, it sounds like somebody's hitting a metal trash can with a metal baseball bat inside of my head. I must've, I must've jumped like a foot when I heard this because it was just the most bizarre, frightening thing. It's happened to me quite frequently over the years. It's it's uh, it is related to stress and lack of sleep, which, as a graduate student who doesn't get a lot of sleep, I'm well acquainted with. I've heard everything from gunshots to people screaming to just loud, amorphous sounds, um, and I've ex- been experiencing sleep paralysis a little bit longer. Um, when it first happened, it was this guy was standing by my bed with a knife and it freaked me out. And then I kind of woke up and everything was, you know, fine. There's no guy about to murder me, much to my relief. So every time this, you know, ha- having had this happen to me twice, um, I then start to, you know, research it, figure out what it is. Um, and now when it, it happens every once in a while, but now it's kind of like this annoying thing that happens. Um, about a year or so ago, I had this bad, really bad incidents of it where someone that scared me or I was having this really weird nightmare. It involved like this weird zombie baby thing. Like if you've ever seen the remake of Dawn of the Dead, no, that I kind haven't. of thing. <laughs> um, it's uh so I'm in this dream and there's this dead baby zombie baby thing and it's chasing me around. Then I kind of wake up and I'm, you know, go to sit up, but I can't move. So having read about this, I immediately know what it is, but I can just feel that this thing that was in my nightmare is now in the room with me. And I must've sat there for, it felt like five or 10 minutes, but it was probably more like 30 seconds just with this dread of this thing was just watching me and I knew it. I did not open my eyes because I didn't want, I didn't want to see if there were any hallucinations or not, but 
It was the creepiest thing I've ever experienced. Yeah, it sounds pretty creepy. I would definitely wouldn't be in that kind of situation at all. The the exploding head syndrome. Now, I have had experiences where when I'm sleeping, I am woken up to a loud bang, but I there nothing nothing is seemingly exploded or banged or fell over but it's like i heard it in my head is that do you know what i'm talking about is that something similar or is this something that like you straight up like it's like very real and heavy on the brain that sounds actually uh really similar it kind of depends on like the i guess the strength of whatever it is so that first time i had exploding head syndrome it felt like there was substance to it but now when i'm just kind of stressed it's they're just sounds that i know aren't in the real world but they're not like super um heavy experiences so okay i got you so tell me about this ufo experience that you had so this was about 2011 2012 you know i'm really into fishing at the time i can't catch anything to save my life. I go fishing for carp with my dad. Once, uh, you know, I of course don't catch anything. I'm out there from maybe late afternoon to early evening and we're coming, um, back home. He's driving. I'm in the passenger seat. I'm kind of, you know, not really paying too much attention. I'm, you know, obviously bummed. I didn't catch anything. Uh, we're, we live in a subdivision outside of Moses Lake and I'm kind of, I'm, you know, just looking around, I look out the window and there, it, the sky is still kind of blue, but it's starting to kind of turn a little bit. You know, when you can kind of uh, vaguely see the other colors, but you're not sure if they're there. Um, and there's this round, it looks like there's a hole in the sky. And it's, it's, it's this weird kind of bright white orange color. And it looked, it looked like maybe there was a, a foot of um, between where this thing opened to where it ended. And there were two, like, must've been the size of my, little bit to my hands, um, cross beams in there. And it was over this house with a great big uh, uh, driveway. And there's these two girls looking up at it. I, told, I, I have no clue what this is. I tell my dad, I tell him to turn around because I want to see what this is. I'm thinking maybe it's a, one of those, you know, Chinese lanterns. Although having cross beams that wide would be weird, I would think. Um, so we turn around, we drive back, and this thing is nowhere to be seen. And I've seen pictures of Chinese lanterns. It doesn't really look like what I saw. It was just one of the most bewildering things I've ever seen. It was just this, it was all. It was almost as though like if you had a ceiling painted the color of the sky, and then you just had a light fixture in it like one of those uh concave light pictures it was i can't really think of any other way to describe it it was the most bizarre thing i've ever seen did it make any sound i did not hear anything the window was closed and we had the radio on so i didn't hear anything um there wasn't anything over that and we, there is at moses lake there isn't like a grant uh grant county international airport so we do get helicopters and planes and you can usually hear those over the radio, but this made no sound at all. Well, I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, with UFOs and, 
and that kind of phenomenon, obviously it's grabbed you enough that you're still thinking about it today and talking about it. Uh, what do you think they are? I mean, do you think they're extraterrestrial, interdimensional, governmental? What do you think? Um, I used to, like, back when I was a believer, so I mentioned the email that I'm a skeptic, which is ironic. Yeah. Um, I used to think that they were aliens that are coming to Earth, and now I, um, I don't know. Um, like, I, I just don't have enough information. I think all the hypotheses are pretty cool, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty logical in my thinking and I don't necessarily think I have to have an answer for this. I would love to know. Um, right now I'm leaning a bit towards that's it. I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's fine. That's fine. And, and we're going to get into the skeptic part of you in a few seconds. <laughs> what I want to know is you have had some paranormal experiences here that we're going to get into. And I just like for somebody who experienced it, I want to get into the mind of why you're still a skeptic. And we'll, we'll get into that in, in a few minutes here. But first, tell us about some of these shadow people you see, because it, it, I don't know when it started, but even to this day, you said that you're seeing these shadow people. Yeah, so uh, shadow people started when I was, uh, again, in community college. It seemed to have been an important paranormal milepost for me, apparently. Um, me and one of my friends at the time, we were playing with her uh, Ouija board. And we didn't get it to work. And so I'm walking home from her house. She lived maybe two or three houses down. And I come across the, uh, it's, it's night, right? Uh, we have, at my parents' house, we have these two garage lights. And I turn, and I'm minding my own business. And I see these two, like, big shadows with no obvious cause racing across the lawn. There's there's no sound. Um, they looked, uh, if you've seen uh, Dreamcatcher, uh, the movie, it looks like Mr. Gray when he's like that big slug thing. Of course, I was at the time I was freaked out because I had never seen these things before. And it's kind of happened ever since. I've I've seen them running across roads. I'm driving home late at night. Um, it, 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 it used to be really kind of this creepy, weird thing that freaked me out, but Again, like the exploding head syndrome, I've had this happen to me enough where I just kind of ignore it. The last time that they were really kind of um, predominant uh, in my life was I was finishing up my undergraduate uh, degree and I was, you know, working really hard and really kind of trying to get stuff done. And I would see these black shapes moving in my peripheral vision. Um, and you know, at the time I was doing undergraduate research with lizards, and I, I swear to you, the only reason these things caught my eye at that point was I thought there were two football lizards running across my, you know, my bedroom floor. And so I turned to see what it was, and there would be nothing there. But these things looked like they had actual substance to them. So these, these shadow figures that we'll call them, uh, is there any chance now, like the first one you mentioned, I, I, you were driving, right? Um, the first one I was walking home walking. Uh, from a friend's house. I've seen them when I was driving, yes. Uh, how fast were you moving? I mean, how fast were they moving, I should say? Like, I mean, are we talking like a, a second, two seconds? Let's, let's see if I can put this in. Um, so I would, if I had to describe them, like if you just scared a cat and they kind of bolt across the room, it was about that fast. Um, and really, they're like, they're kind of in front of the lights. Um, 
like directly in front of the lights. But so if there was a cat there, I would have seen it. And I saw like no actual body that I could discern. I saw no cat or dog or whatever. I just saw the shadows. That's interesting. A lot of people see these shadow figures and stuff and of all shapes and sizes. I've even heard them, heard of these shadow figures uh, over in uh, South Jersey in the Pine Barrens. And this guy, he was towing my truck because I had broken down at work. And he told me that he had seen on the other side of a lake that they were at at night, uh, some shadow. It was like the way he described, I think it was like 20, 30 feet high. It was very, very, very large. And when they shined their flashlights on it, he said that the lights uh, seemed to, the light from their flashlights seemed to be consumed by the shadow. It didn't eliminate the shadow. It's like the shadow eliminated the light as the light hit it. And uh, it's just it's very odd, very odd. And, you know, I don't expect you to believe it because you're a skeptic, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's definitely a cool story. And it does, it does, like, when I've had these more robust shadow person experiences, it does seem like there's some very definite substance there while at the same time being this shadow. It, it, it's, it, it's hard to explain. You kind of have to have had to have seen it to get the point. Hey, P, they said I got to come off the bench. Yep. All right, let me talk to you about a company that is personally connected to the show. FMF Custom Screen Print and Design. FMF stands for Fort Myers, Florida, and this is a print company that will print things on your clothing, anywhere from a logo to personal designs, anything you want. They do custom clothing, hats, vinyl decals, koozies. They do a lot of cool prints, and all you got to do is shoot them an email with a description of what you want and start the communication, and they take it from there. This company, FMF Custom Screen Print, is the company that provides all the confessional apparel when we do live events they are very closely connected to the show we're very happy with the quality that we get with them and you will be too so if you have custom apparel needs whether it's for your company family vacations or group events go to fmfscreenprint.com that's fmfscreenprint.com or email them at fmfscreenprint at gmail.com they will get back to you and start the process of your custom design Now, you mentioned uh, the Ouija board earlier and stuff, but you have something to do with a Ouija board in a closet and pounding on a door or the floor or something like that. Oh, what happened there? What, what, what was that all about? So this was when I was uh, with my ex-wife uh, about a decade ago. Did you want just that? Because it's kind of part of a bigger story. Did you want the bigger story or just the Ouija board experience? You can give us the whole big story. Okay, so... Um, I'm moving in with my ex-wife, um, and at the time, I'm kind of converting to Mormonism. Um, and so it's this weird kind of odd spiritual time for me. I had I bring the, the Ouija board that I use with my friend, I bring with me. She doesn't really like it, so we put it in the closet. I, of course, don't think they work, so I don't really mind it. Um, I come home, and I'm looking through the closet. And I realized the Ouija board is gone. And I'm like, hey, where's where's the Ouija board? Um, 
my ex-wife had moved it because while she was getting ready for work, the closet she that we kept it in was um, there was a wall between that and the bathroom of our apartment. She was hearing pounding on the ba- on the bathroom wall from that direction, and it apparently wouldn't stop. And it creeped out enough that she kind of got rid of it. And I haven't bought one since. What do you think about Ouija boards? I mean, uh, do you think there's something to them, or is it more of a uh, frag, not a fragmation, but something that uh, our minds kind of almost play tricks on us and it's not really actually happening, but we're expecting it to happen. So it happens to us. Oh, um, there, there's a word for this. I cannot remember what it's called. Um, so forgive me, but it's, uh, it's, it's like a subconscious effect, right? So what I've read is that um, you're, you know, using the Ouija board and you ask it questions like, when I saw it work and when I was a child at Walmart, one of my friends goes, what's my favorite number? And then of course it tells him his favorite number. And one of the things that I've read over the years is that there's this effect that the brain does where it subconsciously moves your hands. And so you're supplying the, what I read is you're supplying the answer, but you're unaware you're doing it kind of like, um, when you're it's kind of like when you're unaware of your breathing, you suddenly become aware of it, right? And you're like, how does my brain do this? It's kind of the same issue. That's kind of what I lean lean towards. I just just based on what I've read in skeptical literature and my own experiences. Um, if if it does if it doesn't work that way, um, then just you know that'd, that'd be neat. But I'm afraid that I don't can't bring myself to believe that. You can't bring yourself to believe what that it works. The way people suspect like, it works? Yeah, like it's like angels or demons or your dead loved ones. Like I would love if you could actually talk to your dead loved ones because we all kind of wanted to say goodbye. But I just, knowing how the brain works, I find the it's your brain kind of doing this thing you don't know it does to be more yeah. reasonable to me. Well, you know, you said something interesting there. And I, this is just a very generalization. But... um you you did say just said that you know we all wish that we could talk to our dead loved ones um so as i know you know you've listened to the show i'm a christian and as a christian i believe that there's a heaven and a hell and yeah if my dead loved one is in heaven do i really want to pull them away from something so amazing like heaven to talk to me <laughs> and and also on the flip side of things if I have a dead loved one that's in hell, do I really want to pull them away from that? So I is and and me see my lasting image or my lasting uh, whatever conversation with them is them describing to me the torture that they're going through. I don't think I do. <laughs> I don't think I do. Yeah, know? no, I, I can I can definitely get that. Yeah, but you know, it's I think it's just this drive that we people don't like to say goodbye. I know. Definitely yeah. don't like really hard change, and so there's just so I would, you know, I'd love it if I could say goodbye to my grandpa, who was really cool. Um, I was there when he died, or got there right after he died. I spent the last couple of days with him, but you know, I'd still like to have that one last conversation. If, it'd be really cool if a Ouija board could do that. I just sadly don't don't think that's the case. Yeah, uh, I I don't I believe that Ouija board. There's more to Ouija boards than probably you believe, but I do believe that I don't think that if you even get through. Um, well, I can't even say that. I, I just don't know. I just don't know. But I, I yeah. you know, I feel I feel for you in the sense that like I got to say goodbye to my grandfather, both of them. 
my one grandfather, my dad's dad, I was really, really close with. I, I mean, I love that man. Uh, and I was there the night that he passed away. I left, you know, before he had passed, but I mean, he, he was dying of cancer and he was just really, I mean, skin and bones and just really gone, you know? And so, um, I was able to put, you know, I was able to come and and say goodbye to him and I knew he knew I was there. He took my hand and he held it as tight as he could. And, um, even, even having that moment where I know there was closure, he died that night. And I said goodbye. I told him I loved him. I, I said some, you know, whatever, private, personal things to him. And even though that happened, I'm still torn inside that I didn't get to have another conversation with him, that there were times that I could have had conversations with him, but I didn't make time for it. Uh, and those are things that you don't think about until the person's gone. And you start realizing, man, I wish he was still here right now. And then you start thinking, how much time did I waste when I could have been focused more on just the people around me? And it's not just with my grandfather, but it's just in general. I mean, how many times do we go through life and we get so caught up in you know, the motions of we have to go to work, we have to do this, we have to take the kids places, all that stuff. And we forget to focus on on the people around us and make every moment um as possibly impactful as possible. You know what I mean? Like every moment that you have with people that you love, um, are we wasting those moments on frivolous things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of time? And are we going to look back at life when they're gone uh, and say, damn, I wish I would have spent more time with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of the, uh, um, like if you give a job interview and you always kind of walk out and you go, Oh, why didn't I ask this question? I would have made it look really good, right? So right. there's one more question that you want to ask. So even if you asked every question you or said everything you wanted to, there was that one nagging thought that just got there too late. Yeah, but to continue on with the story, so we're well, I'm with my ex-wife. We're still at that apartment. You know, this is why I'm, uh, you know, talking to the LDS missionaries and going to church and figuring all this stuff out. You know, we're laying in bed one night. I'm so I'm on the side of the bed that's facing like the one of those kind of quote unquote walk-in closets. It's like really, really small, but you can technically kind of it's bigger than like a standard closet by like a little bit. Um, we had this, we had the top pretty packed of full of stuff in storage and there's a small TV up there and I'm laying in bed and we're going to sleep. And my ex-wife says, Hey, I'll roll over. I want to talk to you. Right. Cause we, you know, I think it was probably something about me, me converting to the, the, the faith or something. So I was like in the kind of fetal position. So I turn over and we're talking and then we hear this kind of this creak from the um, closet, like something's moving. And then the TV falls out and kind of lands glass side first where my knees had been maybe a minute or two before. Um, And it's, it was probably a good two and a half to three and a half at least might have been four i'm not quite sure of the distance but it wasn't super close it wasn't uh it had to go quite a bit to the bed so looking looking back it doesn't seem like it had simply fallen especially given how we, we packed stuff up there pretty tight 
Um, so that, of course, kind of wakes us up. At the time, we had a little gray Persian cat. We thought, well, maybe the cat got up there. That That's what it must have been. It must have been the cat. So I get up, and I go find the cat. And the cat is on the windowsill looking out at the um, parking lot. And I don't know if any of your listeners have ever have ever had cats, but you know they're, they're pretty small. If you pick them up, you can essentially feel our heartbeat. And man, when I picked this cat up, it was the calmest cat you've ever seen. So it was not the cat. And when we last checked, that TV was securely in the closet. So that 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 freaked me out a little bit. Um, so I, of course, couldn't get back to sleep. So I'm, you know, in the bathroom. I'm, you know, wasting time. And I hear what sounds like somebody talking in the front room. And I'm kind of listening to this. And it's maybe about maybe two in the morning or so. I want to say it was it was late at night. I know that much. And I hear this talking, and I'm. I think it's my ex-wife because she kind of did occasionally talk in her sleep. So I'm like, "Hey, are are, are you are you talking?" And I hear, "No, no, I'm not talking." Meanwhile, the what sounds like now two voices are now whispering in the front room, and I go, "Do you hear somebody talking?" My ex-wife tells me she does not hear a thing. And there was this, when these, when I heard these whispers, the ambience of the air went from like a apartment at night to kind of like, not quite like there's going to be a thunderstorm, but you know how you have that kind of the feeling of like the dense kind of the hair, the, the, the air where you can kind of feel like, it feels like there's something kind of extra yeah. that makes any sense. And so I walk out in the front room and there's nothing there. Um, nothing's been touched. Nothing's been moved. The cat is again, as calm as a cucumber. So if there was anything in this room, the cat certainly didn't mind. And then I, you know, didn't hear me again. I went to bed and I never heard those voices again. It was the weirdest thing. It was that same night that the te- that the television fell, which, the two together, maybe a half hour apart, was super intense. And that's one of the things that stuck with me definitely the longest. All that, you've still come out as a skeptic, right? Yes, I do. I mean, at the time, I didn't. At the time, I'm like, these are the, you know, the sons of perdition, like the LDS version of a demon, essentially. They're trying to keep me from becoming baptized and saved but you know looking back now i definitely probably have a different opinion of what i heard but it was creepy nonetheless definitely creepy definitely definitely creepy so uh you said to me that you might have seen a black-eyed person talk to me about that yes okay so this is again about 2011 um this also ties in with what feels like a prophetic dream. So I'll tell the stories together. And I'm at Walmart. My son is two. I think, yeah, I think he's two or maybe at most three at the, no, two, he's two. Sorry. I'm not great at math. Um, so we're shopping at Walmart. 
he's in the cart, you know, I'm trying to keep him from putting all these dirty things I put in the cart into his mouth, as a parent is wont to do. And we're, I remember specifically, we were heading towards the front of the store on one of those like big uh, boulevardish aisles where they have like the different uh, crates of whatever. And we were heading towards the, the health and beauty section. And my son, you know, he gets something in his mouth. So I stop and I'm maybe 20 feet from this, you know, health and beauty section. I get it out of his mouth. I'm, you know, chastising him. You can't do that without your mouth. You're going to get sick. Or he doesn't know what I'm talking about because he's two. I look up and I kid you not, I see this person at the back wall, maybe 200 feet away. And it is the same height the exact same clothes, same hair, same skin tone as my high school sweetheart. Everything looks normal except where her eyes are. There's these, it's extremely shadowy and it looks wrong. Kind of this very uncanny valley. It was just enough like a regular person that I was like, oh, hey, there's a person there. But then when I looked at it more, my brain was like, uh, dude. This is kind of weird. I, you know, maybe looked at this black-eyed incarnation of somebody I used to know for maybe about five seconds before I just kind of left. Because, you know, I'm at the same time I'm getting sick, all I want to do is leave. Um, and again, at the time, I'm just like, hey, this is, that was kind of weird. I didn't really think too much about it. And then I go home. I get more sick. I'm hopped up on cough medicine, you know, the, the kind of sick where you would just kind of rather die. And I go to sleep one night and I'm have this dream where I'm on like this stereotypical city bus, you know, like the, the cheap leather, fold leather seats and like the big, the metal bar on top of the seats. And I'm kind of sitting there in this dream and the person in front of me turns around and it's my, again, my high school sweetheart. But, you know, this time she looks normal. There's no black eyes or nothing. Um, and she tells me that her and her boyfriend are getting married. Yeah, they're getting married. Um, and I'm kind of, I don't remember what I said in the conversation. All I remember was that she told me she was getting married and I had this like emotional response because of course I did, you know, and then I wake up and I think, Oh, that was a really kind of specific dream. Okay. And so at this point, the, cause this will become a point that is important. I am on Facebook, but I'm not friends with this person on Facebook. She adds me a couple days later. Oh, Look at that. That's interesting. Yeah, you know what? A, what a coincidence, as as I usually say. And then a couple of days after that, she posts just two words: "We're engaged," and it was like the weirdest thing. I'm just like that. That's a bit too weird for yeah, a yeah. coincidence. I mean, I still to this day will tell you it's probably a coincidence, but it still felt like really Twin Peaks kind of a thing going on there. Yeah, that's that's strange. That's just strange. Wow. I wonder I wonder what was going on there. 
Did you ever talk to her about it at all? Um, no, I figured because we we when we were going out, it was oh boy, over a decade ago. So I yeah. figured if I went on Facebook and brought this up, like, hey, you were in a dream, or you told me you were getting married, it would I would get very funny looks and yeah. probably unfriended. <laughs> yeah, was, like weirdo, it was weird thing, but <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, it was. That's like the only really quote unquote prophetic dream I've ever had. But I do get like many, many instances of deja vu, like probably more than I should be getting. I don't know what that's worth, but there it is. Definitely interesting. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, you you mentioned to me that you had heard um, a big uh, loud boom on the roof of a house. Uh, It was, is that the same house that you guys had the Ouija board experience in? Um, no, that's, that is not, that's my parents' house. That's where we had like the horse Winnie stuff, which coincidentally, this is going to sound like I'm making it up because it's one of those stories. When we moved into the house, it was my front door neighbor's parents. My front door neighbor was also my dentist. It was a small town at the time. Um, he, uh, the, uh, the, the wife's father had died in that house. Allegedly, that's what I was told. Apparently, the mother went out for, or the wife went out for milk, came back, and her husband had passed away. That's the story I was told. Kind of makes everything slightly creepier or more ghost story ish, depending on how you look at it. Um, so, yeah, with the, uh, with the loud boom on the house, it was a really windy night, right? And we have this, my neighbors have this super tall, I think it's Ponderosa pine. It's like one of the really tall, really big trees up here in the Pacific Northwest. And this thing, this tree leans over. So we're constantly kind of worried about, you know, one of these days, a big strong winds going to, you know, crash it down onto our property. Um, But yeah, there's this strong wind, which happens every once in a while out here in Moses Lake. And we don't think anything of it. We're all going to bed. I remember I was laying in bed. I, I think I just stopped reading and just turned off the lights. And next thing we all know, there's just this huge boom. It shakes the walls. It rattles the windows. We kind of think this tree has fallen on our roof. Like, this is it. The tree has fallen. We don't have to go do all this, you know, home renovation insurance stuff because this this is the storm. So me and my dad, we go outside and the wind's going really fast and um, we don't, the tree is still standing upright. We don't see, you know, we have, we had pretty powerful flashlights at the time. So we're checking out, we're scoping out the roof. There's nothing on the roof. There's no signs of damage. Um, the next day, I believe we, we, we checked and there was nothing wrong. Nothing needed to be fixed, but we cannot to this day explain why there was that ginormous boom on our roof. And I've, I've read, I've read stories online where it's happened to other people and it was just like the weirdest thing. Yeah. And I'm assuming you went outside to investigate and there weren't like branches that could have made that. No, noise. everything was, everything was normal. There was nothing on the roof. There were no, there were no branches. Cause I mean, this, this wouldn't, I, I get this, this would not have been a branch. This was like too big and too heavy. 
Like this sounded like something big and extremely dense fill on our house. Um, and there was nothing. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, so I wanted to ask you before we get out of here about the vocalization that you heard in the woods that reminds you of episode 460 from, uh, I don't know, this pa- this podcast called Sasquatch Chronicles. I've never heard of it, but I guess you're talking about it. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, you have to wear a lot of flannel and have really thick plastic glasses to know what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so this is up by um, Lake Wenatchee. It was uh, the Wenatchee National Forest. It's up by this little tiny lake called Hidden Lake. You have to walk like two or three miles to get to it. And this was when I was going through my divorce, so I was spending a lot of time alone. Now, you know, there are bears and cougars up there, so I'm up there alone hiking. I'm like, I'm going to stay the night out here. Probably not my smartest idea. So I'm kind of, I've, you know, I've been sitting there kind of just watching the lake, reading, just kind of trying to decompress from all the stress in my life at that point. And I hear what sounds like, I want to say kind of people hollering, but there's nobody around to be hollering. It was this kind of high-pitched, well, moderately high-pitched, distant. Now I try to describe it, I don't think I can. It was, uh, boy, it it sounded like a, it sounded like a man yelling, but given how far away it sounded and how loud it must have been, I, I can't see how it would have been a man. And there was more than one. I heard it from, I heard like a response call from across the lake, which mind you, this lake is more of a glorified pond, really. Um, but I heard two of them for about maybe 10 minutes and I was, you know, I'm not going to stay up here by myself overnight. Nope. Mm-mm. I packed up and I left. So I just, you know, I was, you know, walked back to the car that night, all my stuff, and it was a very uneasy hike. You know, it's two or three miles by myself that night, because when I heard it, the sun was literally going down. You know, it was it was creepy. With you, you know, you listen to Sasquatch Chronicles, you listen to my show, uh, you heard that howl, or whatever it was, and... Uh, what are, what do you think though? I mean, what what do you think it was? Do you think there's a natural explanation to it, or do you think it could have been something like a Bigfoot? And do you even believe in Bigfoot? I, I, you know, as a somebody who's more skeptical, uh, do you believe in Bigfoot? Even though you know you listen to my show, you listen to his show, doesn't mean you actually believe in what people are saying. Um, I would love to believe Bigfoot is real, but I'm sadly like when I was a kid, my like one of my clearest memories is I did not tell anybody what I wanted for Christmas because I wanted to find out if Santa was real. So I wrote a letter and then didn't show anybody. And that's how I found out he wasn't real. Wow. So I would love it if I would love it if Bigfoot was real, but I'm going to need, you know, that type specimen because uh, I've had conversations and, you know, if we assume that there's at least one undiscovered large creature out there, 
maybe it was Bigfoot, but then again, maybe there's Bigfoot and something else. What if it's, you know, like the whole uh, known knowns, known unknowns, and unknown unknowns, right? How would I know what I heard? I just can't really put my finger on it. Yeah. It sounds like a kind of a, the Bigfoot screams that I've heard on Wes's show, but it definitely sounded more, it, it was definitely like a primate howl, like a primate vocalization. And since this was a national kind of park where people go to have fun, I can't say with 100% that, hey, it was not a person, but I can't see a person being heard from that far away because it, it sounded relatively distant. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you have a, a, a good head on your shoulders and you're you're trying to think of things as logically as possible and stuff. Uh, but yet the paranormal does definitely interest you if you listen to my show and Wes's show. So uh, it's something... Yeah, apparent- good. Apparently, it's very interested in me as well. I just kind of get the feeling. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think you, you know my my uh, broad assessment of you is I think you're a, a closet pe- a believer. You just <laughs> I think you well you even said it. You said you want to believe, but so uh, you know maybe one of these days you'll you'll have something that kind of pushes you over the edge. But until then, I think it's a good idea for you to just be a a healthy skeptic. I mean, that's, that's what I suggest for everybody. I mean, even myself, I I believe in a lot of things. Uh, but I try to approach every show with just, you know, a healthy mindset of, you know, what else could it be? Or, you know, different things like that. I know there's a lot of different, uh, experiences that we have on this show and not everybody's going to believe everything that is said on the show. And that's fine. Uh, it's just one of those things where we're talking about some crazy, crazy stuff that's going on and people are just sharing their experiences on how they view things. So, uh, Troy, man, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing these experiences and, uh, well, brother, take care. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks for having me. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, email, water coolers. I don't care how you share the show, but if you enjoyed it, please share the show with your friends because that is the best thing you can do to help the show grow. And if you've been thinking about becoming a member, it might be a good time because of this coronavirus episode we're going to be doing. We're going to call it Depopulation Operation COVID-19. And we're going to do a live show on it with a live call-in number, but only half the show is going to be available to the public. The second half of the show is for members only, and we're going to be doing that on March 7th. So just mark your calendars because this is going to be a good show, I believe, especially if you guys that have opinions about this, call in and add to the conversation. All right, friends, well, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Bye. Know what it meant.
get to be. Money don't grow on trees. So I got the hands on me. Gloria, gloria, Dios. Gloria, gloria, Dios. Gloria, gloria, Dios. Gloria, gloria, Dios. Whoa, whoa, tu fidelidad. I remember screaming that off the top in the south. Florida, Gloria, yeah, whoa. Every night and every day. Boy Scout had them toys out from the AG on the day. Whoa, missionary mind, it ain't no way around it. Understand about it to me, told me God got it. Yeah, thank you, Raymond, so days. Thank you, mama, you prayed. I never forgot how you won't stop my me day. Pull up to the studio, run it like Rufio. This ain't even finished, bro. <laughs> But I got my own studio. What? Pull up on 10 with ease, know what it meant to be. Money don't grow on trees, so I got a hands on me. Gloria, Gloria, Dios. Gloria, Gloria, Dios. Gloria, Gloria, Dios. Gloria, Gloria, Dios. Whoa.